0: Hello, 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 and welcome back to yet another episode of In Defense of Liberation, the show that is working towards and educating about a true people's liberation movement, and hopefully one day a true proletarian revolution. So if you want to learn a little bit more about that, you've come to the right place. I am your host, Josh, and as I said, this is in defense of liberation. I hope you folks are well. I hope everyone is staying safe during these awful, awful times. I hope everybody is doing the best that they can, staying as connected to their loved ones as they can. Um, These difficult times are especially trying when we try to endure them alone. Um, So those of us who are blessed with the ability to have loved ones in our life really ought to be cherishing them in these moments. Um, But yeah, um, like I said, if you're coming to learn more about proletarian revolution, uh, you have come to the right place. If this is your first time stopping by, I really hope you'll enjoy the show. And if you do, uh, I would appreciate it and I would ask you... um, if you could go over to the Apple Podcasts, either, uh, I believe it's an app, I'm sure you could access it as a website, but if you could go over to Apple Podcasts and give me a rating and a review, and here's the thing. Unfortunately, because all of these apps are commodified and monetized, they are seeking Um, platforms oftentimes that have high numbers of reviews and ratings to put in the suggested box for more people to listen to because it it, uh, generates money for them. So unfortunately, the only way to really uh make go i mean you can give me a rating an honest rating and review but if you want to do it for the sake of helping me be able to reach more people it does need to be a five star rating and it does need to have a review that is what actually boosts me in the algorithm and helps me be able to connect to more people so if at the end of the episode you enjoy it i would just please ask that if you could find it in your heart to do that Uh, Please do and know that it actually is helping me reach more people, which I would hope uh, folks understand is the goal of this podcast. Um, I am not an educated person uh, working to sell a book or a lecture or a talk show or anything like that. I'm not a grifter or a social media influencer type who is looking for likes and follows and shares and shit like that, the reason why any of us, right, any of us working class people who recognize the problems that are in society and want to see something done about them, want to see them changed, we have to recognize that most people don't understand nor agree with our theories, our ideas. So if we want to see things changing, we have to first start with talking to people. We have to first start with educating and propagandizing and agitating. Now, I personally live in the middle of bumfuck nowhere, and the podcast really started as something that gave me the opportunity to reach out to people. So this platform, In Defense of Liberation, My blog, my social media accounts, and the podcast itself, they are all dedicated to mass organization, education, and mobilization in whatever way that I can use these forms to pursue those goals. Now, obviously, we should be aware that social media alone isn't the ticket to revolution. We're not going to post that one meme that's going to get everybody to go up in arms and do something about the incredible exploitation and oppression that we and the rest of the world are feeling. That has to come through direct participation in active uh, organization demonstrations and revolutionary movements. So in saying all of that, I just want to say thank you for checking out the show. I hope you enjoy it. And if you do, please help me to reach more people who might learn something, who might help me learn something, who might help me make the show better. And ultimately, hopefully, which will all lead towards more people getting involved, organizing, more people going out and doing grassroots, socialism, building community gardens, building uh vast networks of uh communal aid and uh collectivization and especially and this is what we're going to talk about today I especially hope that this show can lead people towards joining revolutionary organizations which are trying to build a foundation which can guide the working people towards a revolutionary movement. An actual revolution, right? Like overthrowing the capitalist bourgeois government and instating the dictatorship of the proletariat-type revolution. Um, so let's talk about it. I wrote a little blog, um... I've been getting back into blogging. Not many people read it, which is fine. It helps me with my writing and it helps me kind of get, just like the podcast does, helps me get some ideas out there um, and kind of formulate them, you know, make mistakes, fuck up, write things wrong, go back, reread it, adjust, etc. Um, I wrote a blog this morning called... Uh, the, I think it's the importance of mass organization or why we need mass organization um, which is dedicated to discussing uh, first and foremost a nice little bit of history that I learned thanks to an incredible book put out by leftward publishers uh, called comrade of the revolution selected speeches and writings of Fidel Castro um, I recently read one of his speech which One of his speeches, which he gave to announce the um, unfortunate failure of the year of the 10 million, which was an attempt by the Cuban Revolution and the Cuban people to harvest 10 million tons of sugarcane in order to be able to have materials to trade with their partners, to be able to have foodstuffs, to be able to have clothing to be able to have building materials and equipment, farming equipment, etc. They needed things to trade with the Soviet Union. They needed things to trade with China and all these other countries which uh, were willing to some extent or another to provide goods for the Cuban people who at that time and still to this fucking day have a blockade blocking their country, their small island, from being able to import any of the goods that they require. Now, imagine if the United States couldn't import anything, because you have to understand, we have no fucking industry here in the United States. We don't produce a goddamn thing for ourselves. You want to know something really cool? Most medicines not produced in the U.S., if we actually took this pandemic serio- seriously and closed down imports, you and I would watch as every single fucking grocery store, as every single Dollar General in Walmart, as every single Walgreens and, and all those other pharmacies, slowly but surely, and then eventually completely ran out of everything that was in stock. And the really cool part is none of it's coming back because we don't produce any of it, in this country. So imagine, right, the Cuban people who have, at this point, I think it's 1970 when the speech was given over the radio, they have been suffering for nine years now. I believe the blockade was started in 61. They've been suffering nine years of one of the largest and most militant blockades of their country, not allowing them to import almost anything. And Fidel Castro has to go on the radio and say, hey, we failed. Now, first and foremost, you should go read that speech. I believe it's called how to turn victories or how to turn turning setbacks into victories. I think it's called. I really fucking feel bad that I can never remember the direct quote or the name. I'm always paraphrasing, but Whatever. I mean, you can Google it, and I'm sure you'll find it. Um, we're real low-maintenance here over at <laughs> Defensive Liberation. But, um, yeah, so go read that speech, because unlike any other politician that you and I have ever heard speak, one of the first things Fidel Castro does is he says that him and the rest of the Communist Party, as well as the Central Planning Committee, Uh, the Ministry of Finance, the Ministry of Farming, etc., they fucking failed. He admits it. He says, we failed. We knew. He even says, we knew a month ago at the last speech that I had to give to say that we were on par with Vietnam and we were on par with, uh, oh, I forget the other country, that I think it was Korea. We were on par with those countries who were also trying to grow incredible amounts of crops, Right? They knew when they had to announce that they were on par, they knew they weren't. He admitted that. He said, listen, if we told you then, we would have completely stopped and we wouldn't even have had enough to feed ourselves this year. But I want to tell you that I'm sorry. I want to tell you that we failed. I want to tell you that the Cuban people put their heart into this. They did everything they could and the Central Planning Committee failed. We started the sugar cane harvest in some regions too early. We did not have the industry to grind down the cane enough in some areas and therefore lost a bunch of cane to staleness. We didn't have the transportation equipment to be able to continuously be transporting not only the cane, but the grinded down sugar across the country. We failed. We thought we could do it and we couldn't. But here's the thing. Not only does Fidel Castro go on the radio to millions of Cubans and admit that he and the rest of the Cuban administration, the Cuban revolutionary government, had failed, but he also tells them why. He also tells them the history prior to their failures, how they had failed before, and how they were trying to adjust and learn from their previous mistakes. He speaks on how they should now learn from their current mistakes in order to do better in the following harvest year. And he also praises immensely the hard and dedicated work of the Cuban people who came out, who set their lives aside. You had people who had families in, in say, Santiago del Cuba, right? And would travel all the way to Havana, or Havana, and would go to all these different regions all over the world, or all over the country, they'd leave their jobs behind, right? They'd leave their education behind so that they could go out into the fields and cut cane. Even Fidel Castro went out and cut cane. And then, at the very end, Fidel Castro says, and here's what we're going to do to fix it first and foremost in the five years that we have been dedicating to growing this crop we have let our political agitation and propaganda and especially we have let our mass organizations come to a halt we have not been properly building these mass organizations and he does as he always did a fantastic job of explaining Why, explaining why this was important, why it happened, and why he felt that that needed to change. First and foremost, again, he praised the Cuban people and he explained to them the amount of work that we were able to do on a spontaneous, you know, moment of necessity for the last five years. All of that work could be multiplied by a hundred or a thousand or ten thousand fold if we got this system, this process down to a science. And the only way that we can do this is by getting organized. He talks about the fact that there was a lot of disorganization again in the transportation the industry and the even cutting and where to grow the cane. But then he takes it to the next level and he shows the Cuban people that, listen, this isn't just about cane, right? This isn't just about getting 10 million tons of cane. This is about the Cuban people building their revolution because it was the Cuban people themselves. Who were in those fields cutting down the cane? Castro didn't let it go for a second without them knowing that the only reason why the revolution was succeeding was because of the very working people themselves. Not the government, right? But the actual citizens, the actual Cuban people themselves were the revolution embodied in individuals. And they were the ones who would be capable of seeing that revolution through but he was saying that listen at this point in time we need more youth involved in the communist league we need more engineers we need more scientists we need more farmers we need more students right and and He's not just saying that we need these people so that we can have these great individuals within society so that we can be comparable with first world nations or so that we can be better than the United States or so that we can be better than the rest of the countries in Latin America. No, he's saying that the revolution is dependent on the collective. And if you don't have a collective made up of Individuals who are capable, but not only capable, they are willing to dedicate their skills, their lives, their abilities to building the Cuban Revolution. So he says, Listen, we need to dedicate time towards building mass organization. But he even takes it to another point and he says it can't just be any mass organization. It can't just be an organization which is a fraternity, right? Or, or is a uh, union of workers which just tries to get raises for themselves, right? But it has to be communist organizations. And it has to be communist organizations because the communists are the the ones who recognize not only the, the very nature of the revolution, but the nature of building revolution. They get the theory. They get the history. They get the lessons that not only the Cuban revolution has learned and the Cuban communists and socialists and Marxists have learned, but what the Marxists of the world have learned. Cuba sent people to the Soviet Union, they sent people to China, they sent people to Burkina Faso and Angola, they sent soldiers to South Africa, they sent soldiers to Mozambique, they sent doctors to Harlem. They knew that it was in fact only those who not only would dedicate themselves to communism, but it was communists who would then dedicate themselves to the revolution and to the people who would benefit from the revolution. Castro, speaking not as Fidel Castro, But as the Cuban revolution embodied in a voice and in a man who knew how to speak, who knew how to educate, who knew how to live by example. He himself embodied the Cuban revolution and he got on the radio and he said, listen, the Communist Party of Cuba is the vanguard Of the revolution within Cuba. And it is only through mass communist organizations that that vanguard can continue getting new engineers, can continue getting new youths, can continue getting new revolutionaries with energy and with fervor and with fight and with discipline and in new ideas and new technologies and new understandings and new historical analysis, new perspectives. He said it is only a proper vanguard that can be built in this way that can see such a revolution through to continued success. Castro knew that by continuously building those mass organizations, Cuba was protecting herself. From the massive military powers that were only 90 miles away off the coast of Florida that were willing and able and trying consistently to not only overthrow the revolutionary government in Cuba, but to reestablish capitalism, to reestablish Cuba as the casino and the prostitution slash whorehouse of the U.S. and Western businessmen. They wanted to turn Cuba into exactly what it had been for a hundred years, a hundred and fifty years, or I should say fifty years at that point. They had to turn, or they wanted to turn Cuba back into a colony of the United States. And Castro knew that it was only a continuous flow of more and more and more and more revolutionary Cubans that would be able to protect not only the revolution, but the people of Cuba. Castro knew this, and he said, Listen, we have done amazing things, amazing things, but they have only been accomplished through the mass organization of the revolutionary people of Cuba. It has only been through the discipline and the militancy of Cuban communists that has been able to see this revolution through, even to the point that it's at, right? So, how does this connect to today? Well, how does it not? Here in the United States, again, we know nothing that we consume, really, like our food, our clothes, uh, you know, anything that we really need, our gasoline, um, none of that comes normally from within the United States so when you have areas in the country that are called food deserts where you don't have a grocery store or uh, you know any place to get food within miles right what do you do well you build mass organizations which can develop community gardens which can buy farmland and collectivize tools collectivize resources and collectivize laborers and labor force so that they can grow food and then provide for themselves. How does the the lessons that were learned in the Cuban Revolution not apply today? When we are talking about the left in the United States, we have to recognize that the reason why the left is so incredibly weak is because 90% of what we consider the left no matter what they call themselves, are actually just fucking democratic socialists, right? For whatever reason, whether it's because of lack of knowledge, whether it's because of contempt to communism or Marxism, because of indoctrination, which they have yet to uh, really shake off, whether it's because of massive individualism and chauvinism, which blinds them to the reality of uh, you know, the situation we find ourselves in, or some combination of those three, or something else, a majority of our left in the United States would be constituted as uh, democratic socialists. They want social democracy. They want a system where capitalism just benefits everybody, but not the few. The issue with that is that's just plainly irrational. It, It has absolutely no reality, no concrete understanding of capitalism. And that's another thing. The left in the United States, they don't fucking understand that there is a material reality that has to be dealt with, right? They do not understand in a lot of cases that capitalism is not some evil system that people just drafted up out of nowhere. It's an economic base to our society which has laws, which has government, I should say laws of motion, which has, excuse me, Which has tendencies, which cannot necessarily be broken out of the will of the people. Um, In the sense that if capitalism, I should say more clearly, if we are to keep capitalism but try to make it nicer, we have to understand that that's not possible. Because it's a system which has to continuously centralize and concentrate its wealth in fewer and fewer hands. That is a natural tendency of capitalist uh, production and and commodification. The profit has to go into fewer and fewer hands. Um, And then eventually fewer and fewer people are in control. Not only of the economy, but then the economy as we see today, um, and many of us might have been seeing for a while, uh, the economy is the base of our society. And so, therefore, whether we recognize it outright or not, um, it has the dominating force over the political and social sphere of our life. So, if we're not fixing the economic problems, and we must understand that what I say when I mean, or what I mean when I say fixing the economic problems, I don't mean. Uh, uh, Extending uh, Social security I don't mean uh, You know 401ks I don't mean Medicare for all I don't mean Section 8 housing I mean And I want you to hear this clearly Because Many of us want to use pretty words to sound non-threatening we want to kind of really blur the lines of what we're calling for but I'm going to say this slow and I'm going to say this clearly our goal as revolutionaries as communists can only be proletarian revolution. The only way (coughs) excuse me the only way to fix to quote unquote fix the economic problems we are suffering today is by a proletarian revolution. A proletarian revolution is a mass organization of the working and oppressed people, what we constitute and call the proletariat, the working and oppressed people, organized, organized under one banner, organized for one goal, revolution. And that revolution, not compromising, not taking half measures, not enacting half-assed legislation, but violently and physically removing the power, whether it be economic, political, social, or military power, physically and violently removing that power. From the hands of our oppressors. And in doing so places the mantle of society in the hands of the very working and oppressed people themselves. Who have been told their entire lives that they are not good enough. Who have been told their whole lives that they are poor because of their own laziness and poor choices, who have been told that they cannot administrate their own government, they cannot be in charge of society because they are fools, they are idiots, they are ignorant, and they will simply take advantage. They will only work towards their own ends. They will only become greedy and power-hungry. It is the working and oppressed people together in a mass organization known as the revolutionary proletariat that is able to overthrow the capitalist and bourgeois ruling class elites in their physical form, not just in words, but completely eliminating their rev their existence and completely revoking any power which they have in their hands today, physically. And in doing so, is then capable of placing the control of society through its government through its administration, direct administration by the working and oppressed people themselves, through its economy, through its mode of production, and through its social structure. It is a direct control, a dictatorship of the proletariat. It is a rule of the many over the few. Instead of, as we have today, the rule of the few over the many. And in doing so, using scientific socialism, using Marxism, the revolutionary dictatorship of the proletariat works as internationalists To eliminate the global capitalist hegemony. And to overthrow the global capitalist bourgeoisie. And to place in their place the revolutionary world dictatorship of the proletariat. This and only this will lead us to... A successful attempt at actually and materially eliminating the problems and the inequalities, the suffering, the struggling, and the oppression that you and I and the rest of the world have to endure on a day-to-day basis. But before we can do that, we have to realize that's what we have to do. So that's why folks like myself and many, many other amazing, much better, much more intelligent, much more organized and much more disciplined uh, thinkers, uh, uh, content creators, uh, uh, educators, teachers, uh, propagandists, etc. Far more than me need to be educating, we need to be teaching, we need to be organizing, and we need to be developing militant scientific socialism today. We have to be building uh, uh, organs of dual power so that when our revolution comes, we are not thrown to the wolves. We have uh, 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 vast networks of community which are able to provide healthcare, food, housing, clothing, etc. to the houseless uh people in your area, to the people who will lose their jobs, to the people who will have nothing. We have to have conscious. Conscious and this is the issue. Now I want to hit on this real quick before we really head to wrapping up. Um hold on here one second. Um Sorry, I felt a big cough coming. Um, you have to have a conscious body of people before the revolution. If this is not the case, then who's going to build the revolution? Because if we're remembering what we discussed with Cuba, we should know that in 1959, when the guerrillas made their way into Havana and they were able to finally get rid of the Bautista regime, All of the rich industry owners, shopkeepers, business people, economists, generals, politicians, uh, and academia types, they all fucking left. It's capital flight. It's, you know, you just told them like, hey, we're not going to let you fuck around and be in charge anymore. And their whole reason for being pieces of shit and exploiting the fuck out of the people, is to be able to stay in power, like we've discussed on on other episodes, there's no such thing as power for power's sake, because eventually, you build a castle tall enough, and you keep it there where everybody can see it, eventually, they're going to get sick and tired of looking at it every day, and they're going to fucking burn it down to the ground, so you can't just have power for power's sake, you can't just have muscles, but not know how to fight. Because at one point in time, it's going to come to a point where people aren't just going to listen to you. They're not going to just let you fucking stand on their feet, step on their toes, kneel on their neck, shoot them dead in the street, allow people to hang them from trees. They're not going to let you whip them on horses as they're seeking asylum. They're not going to let you throw them in prison. They're not going to let you steal their children and put them in cages. They're not going to let you steal their land and kill their relatives and destroy everything that they've developed for thousands of years. Oppressed people do not stay oppressed for long. Please, for the love of fucking God, go read Wretched of the Earth by Franz Fanon. And let me use this as a segue back into the conversation that I actually was meaning to have. We have to have conscious, conscious people working and oppressed people within the revolution. If you look at one of the struggles that the Bolsheviks had all throughout their revolution, it was a majority of Russia's population was very ignorant, very poor, mostly uneducated peasantry and farmers. You didn't have, you know, incredible, uh, intelligentsia. You didn't have this massively developed country full of, you know, a wealth of resources and knowledge and scientific expertise. You still up until 1917 in February, had a fucking monarchy <clears throat> with incredible censorship who, for example, exiled folks, or, you know, maybe not directly, but, uh, you know, there was a monarchy which allowed a- and uh, uh actually, you know, was built upon the either straight-up murder... The imprisonment or the exiling of any political agitators or oppositional parties. Lenin, Stalin, and plenty of other Bolsheviks were sent to Siberia, went on into exile into Finland. Uh, They were kicked out of the country. They had to take uh, new names. They had to hide. They had to. Um, you know, genuinely fight for their lives, just to be communists in the middle of czarist Russia. They didn't have an incredibly politically educated body of people who once they had their revolution, not only agreed with the ideology of the revolution, but was capable of taking on the helm of that revolution. You didn't have that. And so today we have to understand that with all of the incredible amounts of knowledge that are right at our fingertips, with all of the ability uh, to understand complex ideas because of podcasts, because of YouTube channels, because of all kinds of extracurricular, um, you know, uh, knowledge that is out there, we really And I I hate to say this, but we really need to start learning. And I know for a lot of us, for example, things like reading, not our forte. We have to start developing a culture of reading. Not because I think, you know, if you can't read or if you have a reading disability, you can't be a communist or that, you know, I'm just some fucking elitist who wants to come on here and tell you, oh, just go read the book. No, because obviously that's why I'm doing the fucking podcast is so you can read the book and then we can talk about it together. We can read the book together or I can read the book and I can fucking come on here and talk about it. But at the end of the day, it's not up to me to be able to teach the world about these things. It's impossible. Most people don't actually listen to me. Look at the fact that honestly, most of the time, only about 20 people read or listen to this podcast. And usually less than five people read my blogs. So it can't be up to us to educate everyone. We also have to cultivate a culture of learning. We have to teach people how to read. If you can't read, if you have learning disabilities, if you need assistance, we need to be be building uh, avenues. We need to be building organizations which do that, right? One of the first missions of the Cubans, uh, the Cuban people, after their initial revolution, was that they had to go into the countryside. They sent students. They sent adults. They sent um anyone they sent professors into the countryside and they said listen this whole year uh for you know a given amount of time for each individual we're going to go into the countryside and we're going to teach everybody how to read we got to be doing shit like that folks because if we don't have conscious workers if we don't have conscious oppressed people who's going to fight for the revolution it sure is shit isn't going to be the fucking intelligentsia. It sure as shit isn't just going to be a bunch of fucking rich white snobs who read books all the time. It sure as shit is not going to be your politicians and your rich uh, uh, wealthy uh, folks who are going to come and say, oh, you know, you just had a revolution, and I, I know you guys don't have many engineers I know you guys don't have many weapons manufacturers. So, you know, Raytheon, you know, we really, we really are uh, uh, a friend of the revolution. and We wanted to come down and give you guys weapons-grade uranium because we really, really think that you guys are doing a great thing here. That's never going to happen. The only way that we can succeed is by making ourselves succeed. By learning the skills, the history the knowledge, everything that we can in order to build the revolution ourselves. For example, and I mentioned this on my last podcast, if one were to want to help uh, and, and you know use their skills to develop the revolution, but they don't feel that there is anything they can do here in the United States or in the West, theoretically speaking there could be a revolutionary army in the Philippines who could possibly be in desperate need of engineers and uh, those who know how to make weaponry. There could be, hypothetically, a chance that, I don't know, Let's call them maybe a new people's armormen. I don't know. Something like that. There could be, hypothetically, a possibility that they would accept just about any fucking help that they could fucking get. And, uh, you know, could really, really use some help. Um, but, of course, this is just a hypothetical. Um, And it is an example out of thin air, which proves the fact that at the end of the day, the only way that a revolution succeeds is if the people themselves succeed in building the revolution. So if you're still listening to this, I want to say thank you very much. I do appreciate from the bottom of my heart everyone who comes by and listens to this. I know I might sound snarky when I say, oh, only five people or less read my blog. Uh, I mean, I'm upset by that only because if I don't get readers who tell me that my shit sucks, then I keep writing the same shit and eventually I look like a jackass because nobody told me, hey, jackass, you sound like a jackass um, and helps me to change and get better and to learn. Um, That's really it. Like we talked about at the top of the show – I don't think um, any of us, really, uh, should be using these platforms to kind of grow um, popularity. Um, I think a lot of us do it subconsciously. Um, Maybe. I don't know. That's kind of the excuse I want to give people. Um, But yeah, I mean, if we want to see this shit get better then we have to understand that that only gets better by us making it better, by us going out and reading. And if everybody can't read, right, if we if we still want to say, well, okay, everybody can't read, well, then those who can need to get reading and need to start teaching. We got to do that. Look at folks like Luna Oi. Look at like folks like Jones Manuel down in Brazil. Go check that dude's fucking shit out. Dude's a part of the PCB, the Partido Comunista Brasileiro, um, the Communist Party of Brazil. Um, They're doing incredible things down there. And this motherfucker is building a revolution while also maintaining one of the dopest YouTube channels. Uh, You know, his channel is really, really good, just like Luna Oi's. You know, if you like Luna Oi, go check out Jones Manuel. Um, But yeah, for real. This revolution thing only happens if we do it together and if we ourselves do it. So we got to be learning uh, how to be a doctor. We got to be learning accounting and economics. We have to be learning politics, uh, military strategy, uh, things of that nature, guerrilla warfare. We have to be learning these things because at the end of the day, not only will the People who know those skills, who can help us, fuck off. But after they fuck off, a lot of people with big guns are going to come and try to kill us. So if we can't even figure out how to fucking, you know, plan a economy to grow um, sugarcane, if we can't learn from the lessons from 50 years ago, 51 years ago, What the fuck are we doing? What the fuck are we going to be able to do? Nothing. And also, and this will be my last point, and then we'll say goodbye. Not only do we have to learn, we have to organize. Because if there's just a bunch of assholes who are all doctors, who all just became doctors to make money, not to build the revolution, then it doesn't fucking matter that we have all these doctors, that we all, you know, we have all these smart people. I mean, look at how many fucking doctors and smart people are here in the United States. Yet half of us wouldn't be able to ever afford to even speak to these motherfuckers because our insurance, if we have it, probably doesn't cover it. So it doesn't fucking matter if we just have smart people, that's not what I'm saying, I'm not saying go read, because if you read, you're smarter, and if you're smarter, you're better, and therefore everybody should read, because I'm a stupid tanky, right, and all tankies do is tell people to read, 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 ah, scary, 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 if you don't comprehend the fact that if a scientist doesn't read his fucking textbook, if a chemist doesn't read his fucking textbook, he can blow himself up, If a doctor doesn't read her textbook, she could kill someone. If a surgeon didn't go to fucking class his whole time in school, he's not going to know how to do fucking surgery. So if we want to have a revolution, if we want to actually fix the problems that are in society, we have to learn what the fuck to do to fix them. And we have to have a reason to fix them. And that reason being mass organizations, that reason being a collective mindset, which recognizes that, yeah, we could fuck off and go make a million bucks ourselves. Maybe if we screwed over a bunch of people and did everything we could to just make money. Sure. Would we be able to be moderately wealthier than some others? Yeah. Does it fucking matter? No. Because at the end of the day, unless you're the richest, eventually you're going to run out of money. Not because, you know, uh, poor decisions or anything like that, but because someone is just going to have more money than you and you're going to have an idea that they like or you're going to need money and you're going to merge with them. And then that's that. Look at the billion-dollar corporations that are merging right now. Capitalism is failing. So if we are not organized and militant on a line, on a political ideology, then we are going to fucking die. Period. End of story. We need to get organized. We need mass communist and Marxist organizations. We need to be building people's wars. We need to be building revolutionary parties. We need to be building dual power. We need to be doing everything that we can to actually build something that can fucking fight the people who are killing us and working us to death on a day-to-day fucking basis. If you actually want to see shit change, then let's go change shit. And we need to do it together. Because when we're organized, we're strong. When we are together, we are unstoppable. And when we are arm in arm, there is nothing that can stand in our way. We, the working and oppressed people of the world, are the largest and the strongest power that has ever existed and will ever exist. The proletariat of the world is capable of building a future where everyone eats. Where everyone has a home, where there is no wars for profit, where there is no wars for gold or for diamonds or for, like today, oil, lithium, iron, cobalt. There are no wars so that a ruling class party. Or a ruling class oligarchy can come in and s- fucking massacre millions of people, whether with guns, with bombs, or with sanctions and blockades. For example, and I'll never stop referencing this, over 40,000 Iranians who have. HIV, AIDS, have not gotten their medicine, which they had for decades available in Iran. They have not gotten those medications in over five years and are on the verge of death simply because of sanctions. Folks, in the middle of the pandemic, there are death defying sanctions. And I say death defying because holy fuck, the power of the global South and their solidarity and their organization in countries where they are able to somehow be able to feed themselves amidst some of the most awful economic and military repression that there's ever been. But they are only able to do this, if they are able to do this, through the mass organization of the revolutionary proletariat who is therein able to build the revolution and to defend it until the end of time. So yeah, thanks for listening, folks. I hope you have a great rest of your day. I hope you stay safe and stay healthy amidst the COVID crisis. If you can, uh, please go get your vaccines. Uh, If you, uh, you know, can, Please go hand out PPE and hand sanitizer to houseless folks. Please go build hand washing stations. Please uh, figure out how to get vaccines into local bodies uh, where then houseless and and, uh, uh, uninsured people can go who, uh, you know, otherwise might think that they, they can't get their COVID vaccine for whatever reason. Go build them a place where they can. And let's fight this, you know, this virus together. Let's fight to end COVID because the global South and millions within the United States are suffering because of not only we like to claim the ignorance of, you know, these uh, conservatives and, and and crazy people. But it, it more importantly, it's because of the ruling class, which allows such ideology to perforate and actually usually, um, I meant perpetuate. Um, and, and are usually actually the uh, forebearers of that ideology. And also, for example, here in the West, uh, are committing vaccine apartheid and buying up all the vaccines and uh, letting millions of them expire uh, just simply for profit. Uh, we need to stop that and we need to stop that now. Uh, thank you for listening, folks. Have a wonderful day. Stay safe. Stay revolutionary. And we'll see you next time.